Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Lifestyle Mastery and I'm excited to have Anurudh Dhamani, who's the founder of Arthur Venture Funds. Arthur Venture Fund is a, is a, a 33 million early stage capital fund that uh, <clears throat> invests into 45 seed stage companies for uh, falling in three series A, Angel and Series A rounds. The investment strategy is built on experience. Uh, Anirudh has gained from investing in 55 companies, participating in more than 100 uh, funding rounds and, doing, uh, and delivering top quartile results. Uh, Anirudh is the f- of, uh, has been an investor in companies like Oyo Rooms, Exhortal, uh, Tara, Now Floats, Herbal, and many others. Uh, Anirudh has done his bachelor's in business administration from Austin College. Uh, welcome to the show, Anirudh. Thank you very much, Rohit. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Awesome. So, so Anil, how did you get into, into the early stage of uh, angel investing? And then why did you go on to build your own VC fund? So uh, I think the, the founders that I like are the ones that have a, a personal pain point that, that makes them want to uh, open, up a new, open a business to solve that uh, pain point. And similarly, uh, me getting into early stage investing came from a very personal pain point. I was an entrepreneur in the US uh, and uh, I built and sold an, an energy company over there. And when I moved back to India, I decided to get, I wanted to initially get into the same business. And, uh, but opening up a business in 2012 in India was a extremely painful process. It uh, completely opened up, opened my eyes towards how Indian entrepreneurship was, uh, you know, different as night is night and day from US entrepreneurship. Right. Uh, and, and the idea came to me that if it was so difficult, you know, I'm a fourth generation entrepreneur in my family, I have a pretty storied family background in, in entrepreneurship. Uh, and if it was so difficult for me uh, to open up a business in India, then how difficult would it be for somebody who has no experience or no background in entrepreneurship? So the, the idea then came to me that, uh, you know, if I could put in a bit of money uh, into, into these early stage companies, but also help them a lot more with my time capital, and with my experience capital, right, and and help have almost sort of co-develop these ventures. There could probably be uh, a lot of uh, uh, personal satisfaction uh, and a lot of money to be made, right. And uh, right. so the idea then came to me that you know if, if we, we should get in first, we should be there early, uh, put in a bit of money, give them a lot more time, handhold them, and uh, and then just see that you know just see them see see them soar. And that's done pretty well in over seven years after, you know, almost 60 investments, we had uh, category leading companies like Oyo, uh, Exotel, Tala, Purple, uh, and now floats, you know, all of, all of which were, uh, went on to do very well. Uh, and then after about six, six and a half years, when we were just looking back at our portfolio and all the people that we were working with who were co-investing with us, uh, we, the idea came from our co-investors that why don't you set up a fund? And we will uh, support you uh, by putting in, you know, by, by being your first LPs. Uh, but for me, it was very important because as a family, we've not taken even a business loan in the last uh, 70, 80 years of being in business. Yeah. So I, I went, uh, you know, around the world, I spent some, a lot of time understanding different, uh, you know, uh, fund structures and why some worked, why some didn't work. And I came back with the intention that I wanted to do something that would make it uh, possible for me to return money to investors, uh, my LPs, without requiring billion-dollar exits uh, for that 
to happen right so uh, i came up with a structure where we would be a small fund you know 30 million to 33 million uh, right. and we would but however we would own uh, a large a larger or have a higher ownership in our investing companies right so we typically would own between 25 to 30% in our investing companies and we would also be relevant for them over over three rounds so what instead of just writing a single check we would write follow on checks that were larger and bigger so a lot of our fund would be for follow on investing and that would essentially create create a win win situation for the founder because he would not have to keep going out there and looking for uh, outside capital uh, it would also create a win win situation for us because uh, it would allow our lps to see our, our portfolio and understand and also be able to co invest in in future future rounds and for us it would it would um, it would help us hone in our energy right we would know exactly which companies are doing well and in follow on rounds write larger checks and and uh, get meaningful return for our time capital by having a larger ownership stake in our companies and the way we see it is it as long as we hold 20% of a 150 million dollar company it we return the we return the size of the fund so we don't need massive winners to return money back to our investors so win 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 for everybody interesting so um uh, you know i wanted to understand what is your portfolio construction do you uh, are you sector agnostic or do you do you focus on only uh, particular uh, particular sectors for now so uh, we're a thematic fund so we're not we're not looking at uh, se- uh, sectors we look at three three specific themes we invest in indian consumption so okay. uh, we invest in anything that enables that consumption and then we invest in b2b now the difference between thematic and sectoral is that certain things could fall into certain sectors but they uh, but you know it could fall into multiple themes for us so a, uh, a particular company like in logistics might also be a consumption enabler and be a b2b company if it's in last mile right right uh, so so that's therefore we look at themes thematically because i think th- themes also play out over a longer period like a 7 to 10 year kind of period versus sectoral sectorally as you can see uh, sectors come and go like as soon as 2 years these days right so as a session and and an expansion in a sector within a matter of a couple of years so instead of getting in at, at the high or or uh, and then uh, you know have it to see significant write downs we rather get into themes which have a much longer hold, uh, play out period correct and um, you know uh, uh, this this is your first time uh, fund how did you look at uh, raising funds from arthur funds uh, are, are most of your lps domestic or are you also looking at uh, you know international lps who could invest into your uh, fund and, and your uh, you know fund which you about to close right now so what we did rohit was you know uh, I, i think if it it was very important for us that uh, we had support from domestic lps before we went global right uh, going globally and, and explaining the opportunity would be very difficult because if they asked you who is supporting you back in india and you would say okay. you know hardly anybody so how you know it become a very difficult uh, conversation to have with global lps yeah. uh, so what we did was our first two closes uh, which was uh, up to 100 crores we raised almost 90% of that uh, domestically okay now we are at about 120 125 130 crores that we have raised so far uh and the the participation from global lps has been has been going up steadily so now 80% of the capital is committed by domestic lps and 20% by global uh and i think by the time we get to the the our target size of uh, 200 crores uh we will probably have about a 70 30 kind of a ratio correct and you know i have also read that you're looking uh, uh, for other micro funds uh, which are which are you know sectoral funds where you're looking to raise funds uh, would would you you know look at 
changing on improving while you know raising for other funds or are you going to focus on on raising uh, your uh, you know the main fund and then looking at no, investing into uh, raising uh, funds or other uh, you know sectoral funds later on no so actually we're not looking at raising funds for other other micro vc funds the the idea here is that uh, we're trying to create uh, a, a fund house right so not not right away but eventually the okay. idea is that we'll have multiple fund managers operating under one entity and everybody having their own micro vc fund sure. so we can we can uh, uh, you know so we can attack different sec- different parts of the market and different sectors or different themes uh, and yet have individualistic performances and i think it's a very india specific uh, uh, solution that uh, you know we've not we've typically as as vc funds in india not had a lot of funds that have seen you know four five six seven seven different partners you know mm-hmm. at certain sizes in india most funds disintegrate and they or break or fund managers break out and set up their own shop so the um, so what we wanted to do was you know we were trying to solve that problem as well that how do we keep everybody together but all and and and, and i think that comes from making sure that everybody is demarcated separate funds and uh, but we all operate as one so that there is strength in numbers but uh, but you know separation in terms of um, how how everyone performs right 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 correct and and also you know when you talk about your portfolio companies you you've invested uh, you know personally and also uh, through the fund uh, in a lot of women uh, you know led founder founders you know uh, uh, especially like tala and other other companies uh, do you think it was a conscious decision from your end to invest into uh, into into founders who are uh, who are female or uh, do you think you know going forward uh you you focusing more on on the merit of the person rather than of uh, f- focusing whether you know they they're male or female because as the industry st- uh, st- uh, statistics show that women get only 2 to 5% of the of the vc funding or, or even at follow on funding uh, do you think that is that is something which is bound to change even in the indian ecosystem i, I think that i think that change is coming right i think a lot more you're seeing a lot more uh female participation even at the at the fund side right so you right. uh, obviously you got vani over there who's managing an excellent fund uh, at kalari but uh, but other than that you know i think even so in our current fund right and i'm talking about the first six investments uh, four out of the six investments have a female founder right so two thirds of our investment has gone into female founders and i'm looking at my upcoming pipeline the next five investments i believe three of them have a female founder two of them have them as ceo and founder right um, right now is it a conscious decision for me to back female founders absolutely not i don't believe in putting a gender tag on any founder right. we, for me it's most most important that we have good founders whether they are male or female or otherwise it does not matter to me right, uh, right. and i and i think it's just an happenstance that that because we attract good founders because uh, you know we have a lot of female founders already that are invested that have been invested in so like besides stala we've got kavnish we've got ink 42 we've got baby chakra uh, and uh, and uh, obviously dalchini has a ceo as ceo and co-founder i think just because there is already so many female founders that we back there is probably a name out there you know that that if you're a female founder you should be approaching artha venture fund yeah. but but for us internally we never look at the the fact that that a fee, that a founder is female or a male 
uh, for the reason or or or, or a, as a part of our decision making so we're not trying to meet any esg guidelines by by investing in a certain portion of female founders it's just that we invest in good founders we invest in passionate founders and it's just that it is just that there is a lot of passionate founders that we found that we've invested in and that they happen to be female interesting so um so you know sequo uh, is is one fund which which looks more into into the team when, when they're looking into investing uh, into into a startup but uh, but you know what what is what is your framework when you look at investing into a startup is it, is it the team or, or the total addressable market or or the or the idea what what really excites anirudh i think initially because you know and i'll talk about maybe on a per round basis right when we're investing at seed right. we're always looking at the team because okay. uh, i mean anybody who's been in vc would know that early stage companies pivot and they pivot a lot right Correct. so yeah but for for us what's important is that it's it's a strong cohesive team they have a lot of passion for the for the for the space they're in and 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 we really love it if there is a personal pain point that they are trying to solve right because that that just you know makes them go above, above and beyond right. uh putting in the pre series around we typically a little bit beyond the team we're looking at you know whether the unit economics are making sense is the product market fit is there ability to for the venture to scale and will this money act as a leverage for it to achieve a, a pole position in their uh, in their specific vertical or specific uh, you know category and then the third round which is a series around where where we don't lead the round but we write a significant check obviously that is that is your growth round right that's after you've proved that there is unit there is positive unit economics you've proved that the team is the team has the ability to recruit that there is uh, there is enough scale coming in there's enough growth coming in and you just need the money now to put a leg up right right so each round has its own own reasons its own in uh, its own uh, decision making criteria uh, but everything starts from the team right and then right. for us uh, if if, uh, if if we don't like the team or we don't believe that the team has their incentives in the right place then that's probably not going to be some, not going to be something that we're going to invest in correct and uh, you know this is for for the founders who you know are listening to this podcast what advice would you give to founders when they're looking into selecting the vcs because this could be a 10 year uh, 10 year journey and relationship obviously you know uh, you would want the highest quality uh, you know entrepreneurs to to uh, uh, to have a relationship with other funds but but what advice would you give to founders when they're looking at you know a, a, to uh, selecting a vc for the for the next round you know so a funny anecdote uh, there i was in recently a panelist in a conference um uh, in in uh, you know, i won't give the city because we'll give out give out the name of the conference but i was sitting in a conference and, and on a panel and um one of my co-panelists said that, you know the way he chooses his founders is by by doing what's called a uh, a pick up phone test which what, what he means by that is that if a founder is calling him right. and he looks at when he picks up the phone and sees the person's name the how he feels about that person calling is how he decides he wants to do business with that person or not so if he picks up the phone and he's excited to pick up the phone and talk to the guy then that's a guy he wants to do business with but if he picks up the phone and he goes oh man he this guy's calling again <laughs> one of the criteria not to not to invest in the guy i think the founders would have a probably probably a similar criteria right i think they should look at it saying that if i was in trouble or if i needed help right who is the first person i'm going to call besides friends and family right and if that right. person is is not uh, is not your is not your vc you prop and again i'm talking very much in a early stage sense over here 
right. then that's probably not the person that's right for your business right for and and the right person to take along on the ride right uh, exactly. so you know i think i think that's, that's it's a similar test it, it's i know it's a it's it's very subjective in this case but if if you get an early stage guy on and and he's owning a part of your of your baby right shouldn't you at least w- want to be uh, reaching out to them when when the baby has a cold right Correct. i think Right, absolutely makes sense. And uh, you know, um, my following question is about uh, Oyo Rooms. I've been part of Oyo Rooms, but but what was what were you thinking when you wanted to invest into Oyo Rooms? Because it was a uh, it was a very different uh, you know a very new concept. Now, obviously, the product market fit has happened, and uh, it's 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 a big uh, win for the Indian ecosystem. But what made you invest into Ritesh and Oyo Rooms? No, Ritesh is is all passion, right? I mean, eighteen eighteen years old at the time. Uh, you know gave up his uh, college career gave up uh, you know in fact when he got even when he got the invest uh, the grant from peter thiel invested all of that money into his company right. so he was a guy who was willing to put everything on the line right right and and i you know he's a marwadi right he's a agarwal after all and in in that community right, right. not finishing education is a big problem right <laughs> so right. so if somebody is willing to put their entire life on the line and they're so passionate about solving a particular problem it it would be a travesty if as a vc we did not invest into that founder uh, right. so according to me you know while i knew what the space was and there was a big even before he did oyo there was something called oravel which was sort of a corporate airbnb model that he was he was going after uh, it didn't matter I, i think even if he was said he was going to sell lemonade on the side of the street uh, the passion that this guy had uh, if if i wasn't investing in that kind of passion then i shouldn't be in the space right it makes sense and uh, you know what do you think about uh, you know company failures and postmortems uh, especially you know after what has happened with we work and uh, uh, and there've been couple of uh, failures uh, how how do you judge at a portfolio company which is uh, which has failed and what message would you give to a founder uh, who wraps up his company Yeah, the key, the key thing is you know not every failure is bad right? Uh, right what what is important is that when you fail you fail fast right? right don't try to you know a lot of the times people want to just hang on to a business as long as possible even though they internally know that the business is not working out right don't waste your time if you know that the business is not working out is better to just take a write off and move on right, right. Uh, and and it's happened to us right we've had businesses and and, and you know I, i guess we've imparted some of that knowledge to our, to our uh, to our founders because most of the times the write offs in our portfolio and we have almost 16 17 of them have all been seed round write offs right I, i there's only one or two companies that raised a follow on round and then have shut down now the reason for that is that you know we're very clear from the very outset when we get in that what's what are the metrics that are going to define that this business is doing well or not right yeah. and if you feel that the business at the outset you know is not meeting the metrics that 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 would justify the founder spending more time on it or our money uh, spending more time in the company's bank account if those things are not getting justified then it's best to move on uh, and uh, and and i think that is what failure is all about right in startups you're going to have 90% failure but the point is can you get to the failure fast enough so you can innovate and go on to the next uh, next opportunity right right and I'm, and I, sometimes you know rohit and to just add to this point is that not all failure is is equal to company shutting down sometimes you have to fail at a business model or a, or a business strategy before you move on to the next strategy right and so the company could still survive the company could still go on 
but if you spend too much time or too much effort behind the wrong strategy or the wrong model and not willing to uh, pivot right that could also be the end of your company that probably is the number one reason why most companies in our portfolio fail is that they knew that the things were not working and they decided not to pivot right right and, and i think i think which is why i say you know when you fail fast you still have some money left some bandwidth left to go after one more uh, to go at it one more round but if you wait too long then you're exhausted the money is not there motivations you know motivations completely down the 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 momentum is no longer there and then the company is going to shut down right so failure is not just about the company shutting down it's also about understanding when when to pivot makes sense and you know you talked about uh, investing into p2p startups i was uh, wondering you know what sort of metrics do you do you, uh, do you ask your founders to focus on is it uh, the arr or the you know the cac payback can you can you talk about some of the metrics which are important for b2b startup founders to focus on uh, so uh, yeah, are we specifically talking about p2p lending or p2p like an overall no. Yeah, uh, no, B two B startups or you know. B two B, sorry, okay. Right. Uh, no, so for for me, I think B two B is very important that uh, the company should make money from a very every transaction level, right? I think right. I think India offers one of the best, I guess, petty dishes for B two B companies that want to scale to the globe. Now, the reason Correct. I think is because India is a very price sensitive and a very hyper competitive market. so if b2b companies do well in india and they can scale their operations across the country uh, right. and in a country where every single state has a different language where many states have have written written languages that don't even compare to each other right so what a punjabi a person from punjab would have a difficult time reading bengali and a person right. from bengal would have a difficult time reading kannad right they right. if if we can have a b2b company that scales to this country their technology and their processes would be so would be so robust they could actually go to the globe right and we've seen that in our b2b portfolio personally right i mean companies like exotel that uh, are seeing much higher realizations when they go abroad uh, and also because they have scaled across the country they find it much easier to scale abroad because their technology the processes are built for different languages for different uh, you know uh, even written prose right uh, and so i i think b2b companies we look at the fact that they have positive unit economics that they are scaling they're growing that the target group that they're going after is big enough and whether they have an opportunity to go global at some point right yeah. uh, and that's what really gets us excited about um, b2b companies from india uh, you know no absolutely you, you know when you talk look at b2b companies like like soho exotel uh, and other saas companies who are also uh you know expanding to us and europe and uh, you know my 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 following question is when does a uh, founder know that he needs to expand into into other regions like like what oyo and zomato and and for that matter zendesk uh, sorry freshdesk has done when do you think a founder should look at other regions to expand uh, his his market i think if a founder has been able to expand to at least 10 states in india right okay and has done reasonably has done well doing that uh then he should try to expand to another country probably even trying to go through the indian diaspora in these other countries right and i think uh, indians just being entrepreneurial as they are i have been entrepreneurs across the globe so you know reaching out to that kind of a diaspora and then seeing if they can uh, capture that market probably a good metric to start again every company is different and every you know situation is different but if i had to just put you know a 
quantitative number on it or quant quantitative way of doing it then i would say yeah, scale to 10 states if you do if you're scaling well and you're making money then uh, go abroad correct and um uh, you know uh, who would you credit as a, as having the biggest impact as an investor uh, you know uh, arthur funds have been backed by mr ashok tamani and uh, ramesh tamani or your father and uncle you know what whom would you uh, you know credit as uh, has having a biggest impact uh, as an investor and what do you do learn from uh, from mr ashok tamani and mr ramesh tamani so uh both my uncle and my father are stock broker stock brokers and they've invested you know they've been investors for for almost 40 plus years now right. so i think a uh, lot to learn i think i grew up even at the dinner table listening to stock prices and how certain people were doing well and not doing well and how certain investors uh, even like radhakrishnan ji or or rakesh ji and and even my nana kamal kabra how all of these how all of them had you know Uh, strategies are around the fact that you don't throw good money behind bad money right so you you have a cut off and, and you have a downside to your thesis and when it's not working out you exit and you and you move out right. uh, and i think all of that influenced my life right i think uh, my father has a philosophy that if you after you buy a stock don't look at the share price and after you sell a stock don't look at the share price right so, right. <laughs> so i think that really helps right because when you buy something and you immediately start trying to figure out what's the value of my holding right you spend more time trying to do that than actually trying to help the business and a lot of the times when you've sold and the business does well after that then you spend a lot more time worrying about you know the fomo aspect of it uh and then trying to build you know find the next idea and making sure you don't make the same mistake again right. so uh from from them i've learned just the 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 value of or the art of uh how to hold on to your winners and how to cut your losses and those lessons have come from obviously them being associated with so many marquee investors in india and yeah i'll i'll uh, i'll credit them for giving me access to that kind of uh, experience and knowledge interesting and uh, anurudh are you concerned with you know the excess capital uh, which has been raised by founders in the last uh, couple of years especially in the in the indian ecosystem and uh, what advice would you give to founders for you know capital efficiency you know it, it really depends rohit sometimes we advise founders to raise more capital than they need Right. Uh, because also capital can act as a moat, right? Right. Uh, and and uh, sometimes, uh, so if if you have excess capital, I think the most important part is not not go after things that are far away from your core business model, uh, and also not try to uh, you know use the additional capital for things that are beyond the business plan. Uh, it's sometimes okay to just leave the capital inside your bank account and just earn the interest off of it, right. until unless you've got a compelling opportunity that either you know that. is going to beat the irr that your current business is already offering right and if that's not happening then just not let's not uh, you know uh, let's not just use the capital just for the sake of it got it and uh, uh, you know do you, do you think the indian uh, uh, startups are more into uh, you know they're going to be a lot more uh, mna deals or do you think you know in come next coming 5 to 10 years there going to be couple of ipos because i think nokri is the last big ipo we've had uh, that's been uh, you know a decade from now but but do you think uh, india is still a mna market i think for the foreseeable future yeah india might even see some reverse mergers at some point uh, but i don't i don't essentially think that the indian ipo market is ready for startups right because a lot of these startups uh because of the market that they're going after because of the business that they are trying to capture we'll see 
uh, a long period of losses right uh, on the balance sheet level right uh, and i don't think the ipo or the the retail investment in india is ready for that uh, but however i know a lot of the uh, the top uh, corporates in india and if i could just take the top 100 corporates or top 500 corporates in india they've all set aside money to invest either into startups directly or or to acquire startups and i think that really is going to fuel the next leg of exits for early stage investors no absolutely i think if the indian uh, corporates they uh, they are able to help out startups and there lot more exits coming up to to legacy businesses i think that's that's going to be very interesting uh, in next uh, coming years and uh, so uh, do you have any f- uh, latest investment that you've made and any reason why you've made the, uh, the last investment you've made so actually it's been about 4 or 5 months since we made an, since we have made an investment uh, okay. thing is that we were in due diligence for two investments right now uh, another three are just about to go to the investment committee for their approval sure. uh, but yeah the last investment that we uh, made is in a company called Everest Fleets which is which is uh, you know Uber's largest fleet manager in India uh, and uh, the reason we made the investment is i think uh, what i really liked is that, is that that siddharth who's the founder of the business was looking at uh, sweating out physical assets like like a car by using uh, drivers uh, but putting two drivers per car so ensuring the car is running 24/7 and that would offer uber much, much better uh, supply in uh, and and also ensure that siddharth was paying emi once but making the asset work twice right which uh, to a marodi like me always makes sense right so right. that's that's the reason we back backed it they they're using technology and using uh processes to ensure that the cars don't have to come back to the office the cars are always running so uh and they use technology to ensure that the cars never have to come to a central meeting point right and because of their size they're almost at 700 cars today uh they're getting much better pricing for their cars they're getting uh much better pricing for for their repairs and maintenance uh and, and so on and so forth and and that only that itself becomes a self fulfilling prophecy because things are only getting better as they gain in size uh and uh, hopefully you know over the next uh, couple of years we'll see them at about 10000 cars and uh, you know have a dominant position uh, in 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 the uh, urban mobility market got it we'll put that in the, in the show notes i quickly want to do the top three what's your favorite business book favorite business book i would yeah. say uh, shoot up I love that book. And uh, if you could go back in time and start working on Arthur Funds, what is the one thing you would done differently? Uh, I think I, I would have hired uh, hired more experienced people much faster than I did. If, if I had yeah, if I had brought in better better uh, talent earlier, I would have probably scaled faster. Got it. And uh, you have any favorite online tool like, uh, like uh, Gmail, uh, Slack, Zoom? favorite online tool if i can give you a personal favorite right now right uh, so i'm using uh, this online scheduler called x.ai uh, oh awesome. that's really helping uh, you know schedule meetings in different time zones and also is offering up my ea uh, so yeah i think that's that's a tool that definitely uh, i'm really excited about that right now but overall uh, if you ask me from from the beginning of time a tool that i like a lot is is onenote which is my you know go to app for taking notes correct yeah uh, this is the first time somebody has mentioned next order uh, but um, 
you know, what is the best way people can reach out to you and, you know, uh, get to know more, more about Arthur Funds? Uh, are you talking about as a founder? Yes. As a founder, the, the best way to reach out to us is find somebody that knows us, that, that okay. knows in my, in my network and, and get them to send you, send us a referral. Uh, we do not accept direct deals. Uh, so yeah, I think if you're a founder, that's the best way. And if you're an LP, you can always, there's multiple ways to reach out to me. There's Twitter, there is LinkedIn and my, uh, you know, the company website. Got it. We will put that in the show notes. Uh, reach out to you and then you can connect us. <laughs> yeah. That can, that, that can also be there. Uh, right. Uh, Anu, thank you so much for taking our time and speaking to us. Uh, really appreciate taking, uh, speaking to us. Thanks so much, Rohit. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.